Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Long Shot, directed by Jonathan Levine and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. The Secretary of State hires an idealistic journalist as her speechwriter. And as we usually do, we will do a spoiler-free bit up front to tell you whether we think you should see this movie. Yeah, definitely. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So, yeah. Like, this is the easily my favorite rom-com, maybe ever. Yeah. I mean, I liked this so much more than Endgame, which we watched last weekend. It definitely. was just so – it was really fun, really light. Um, it, it does hit on a number of my personal – things i guess like um what the politics oh things you like things i'm into yeah I, well i thought you meant like no, I was, I would... well i was about to say you know how my entire sexuality is like powerful women with slightly submissive men but um <laughs> th- there so that but also yeah um also the politics bit um yeah. seth rogan movies because i don't think you and i have laughed in a cinema like that since we saw pineapple express like i um um 21 jump street true yeah that's true there's been a few but like yeah that's one of the one of those so yeah it's just so much fun it is it's really so fun. much fun and like i didn't even i guess i had seen um, cause Charlie's Theron and Seth Rogen are really like on the publicity trail for this because mm-hmm. <laughs> the poor things have got you know, coming out the week after Endgame and they've really been pushing it. So I don't think I would have heard of it if they hadn't done the publicity. So good job studio for sending them out on tour everywhere. And even then I was like, I have no idea what this movie is about but until we decided we would go see it because we need to watch something every week. And yeah, I'm, this is delightful. It is delightful. Just delightful. Um, I would have seen this anyway because you guys have heard about my favorite podcast, How Did This Get Made Before? Um, there are two of the people from How Did This Get Made in this movie, Jundai and Raphael and Paul Shear. And for a special episode of How Did This Get Made, they got Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen on to talk about a horror movie. It was amazing uh and so yeah i've been dying to see it since yeah. i heard that podcast which is only a couple of weeks ago so this, this movie is co-written by someone also whose career i'm i think is i'm going to enjoy very much liz hannah who wrote the post she kind of came out of nowhere to write the post and I, awesome. it was one of my favorite films of the year that came Me out too. yeah so she was she's the co-writer along with uh, jonathan levine the director on this and he's directed something else we've seen Oh, he's the fifty-fifty guy. That makes a oh, lot of sense, right? That's if a good you movie too. If you haven't seen Fifty Fifty, it's fantastic. It's a really um, good movie, yeah, and really touching. Yep, another Seth Rogen movie that I love. Yeah, that was like that's a semi-autobiographical one as well because mm. he's friends with Seth Rogen, and it was like so it's about him and Seth Rogen and their friendship yeah, basically. Yeah, that's right. That's super cool. Yeah, no, and it's a good movie too. I watched it on a plane, so obviously I cried a lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, in I nearly sorry. I nearly cried in Fifty Fifty is about 50/50. cancer, sorry, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so cool. Anyway, uh yeah, spoiler free, we love long shot and we really would encourage you to watch it. I um, cried if, laughing in it. Even if you don't think rom coms and or romantic comedies are normally your thing, I would say give it a go. Because it is really fun. The leads are both fantastic, uh really good together. Shelley's Theron is just she gets to do – she gets to be as amazing as she always is. Greatest Seth, actress of our generation, Charlize Theron. You mean that, Charlize Theron? <laughs> she's not about – she's like um, 10 years older than us. But like – it's That's our generation, right? No. she. Oh God. We talk about this constantly, about how the generations work and how – Greatest currently working yeah, yeah, actress. Yeah, of then. her generation. Of but, her generation. Um, yes. Seth Rogen, however, is of our generation, we found out <laughs> after we looked him up. But, yeah – 
they're really great together. Um, I really liked O'Shea Jackson in his small role as uh, Seth Rogen's best friend. You obviously liked Jundine Raphael as I did. in her small part. Um, I liked O'Shea Jackson too. Um, uh, he's um, a uh, straight out of Compton alum and you know how excited I get when I see them in movies. Yeah, so there's a lot of a few other um, comedians and one legendary scenery tour who we'll get to later um, who are also in this movie. Um, so it's just really fun. Yes, watch it. Maybe two legendary scenery chewers. One who's legendary for scenery chewing, one who is chewing scenery in this movie. <laughs> who's not actually legendary. <laughs> yeah. That oh, she wrote the post. Yes. Um that that makes sense with President Bob Oden, Bob Odenkirk. Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. I just put yeah, that together. In the post. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get into spoilers uh for long shot now. So if you haven't seen it and you plan to, which you should, uh stop the podcast now and come back when you have. Yeah. Um <laughs> I have a lot, like a lot of notes on this movie mm. and a, a whole lot of them are quotes. Like I kept yeah. writing down quotes that I wanted to bring up later. And I didn't write down any of them because I knew you were making notes and I was like, I'm just going to sit here and laugh at this because this is so much fun. Yeah. Um, however, my first note is five logos because there were five logos at the front of this movie and it drives me crazy that every production company has to have a logo on the movie because like nobody wants to see that. Nobody is going to be impressed that your company did this if they have to sit through another 30 seconds of logos in order to get to the movie. And so many people have really long logos as well. Like there was one that actually involved the president's desk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we thought the movie was starting, but it was actually just another one of the companies. That said, clearly it took a lot to get it made, that means. Generally, when you've got to sit through all that, some kind of shit's gone down behind the scenes to get it made, which I, I mean, I don't know. Given the talent behind it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that it might be hard to get it made. But then again, it is – a big screen rom-com in this day and age and I guess those those are harder to get made now. It is a big screen rom-com but it's a big screen rom-com with Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Like if you can't yeah. sell that. Yeah. Charlize also is a producer on this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's been a producer on every movie we've seen her in like yeah. recently. The, the only thing I can think of is that Seth Rogen, like there could be some trouble still spilling over into Seth Rogen's career after both the interview and Disaster Artist. Oh, right. Well, yeah. But – I, other than that, I did, yeah, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, I mean, but especially Disaster Artist, like the stuff that happened with that didn't really have much to do with him, I guess, mm-hmm. but fair enough. Um, one of the things about this movie, sorry, this isn't really about it, but on the red carpet, Seth Rogen's been making a lot of effort to look good because he I keeps, wanted to talk about this too. He keeps remembering that picture of Beyonce and Ed Sheeran at some yeah. um, some um, show where they sang together and he's yeah. like, I don't want to be that guy. I think it was the Super Bowl. But yeah, the funny thing is I heard that quote and I was like, oh, good, he's a good guy, which he generally is. Like mm. his reputation is pretty good. But then that's kind of part of what the movie's about as it well. Is. It's about like, you know, very polished woman who uh, hiring someone who's very like kind of schlubby in his dress. Mm-hmm. And this, the thing is, this is a romantic comedy. The themes and conflicts they are dealing with in this movie are so, they're like more complex than most dramas mm-hmm. will attempt to tackle. Oh. They're talking about like, compromise versus your morals they're talking about what it means to have a certain image and and why that's necessary and how it's different for men and women and all of these really complex themes that are like really interesting as like but they also like sexism climate change prejudice racism racism all comes up it's really very clever yeah like i i said at one point um it's got a little bit in common with um 
black Klansmen, and not just because the it opens with Seth Rogen trying to infiltrate a white supremacist organization. Um, yeah, that's it's really interesting. There's like a full minute, I think, of very intense sort of um, Nazi. Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Rhetoric, mm. Nazi rhetoric, and and it's really awful. And then you get to Seth Rogen, and it it suddenly switches to funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, especially that it's in that first scene that one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie is made, which is that the guy who's sitting next to Seth Rogen, his name is Arian Grande. Oh, see, I thought Seth Rogen's character was using the fake name Arian Grande. No, his fake name was the Jews eighty eight. The oh, that's right. guy who was sitting next to him, who recommended him for the group, was Arian Grande. <laughs> Like I, that was, I was like in tears and the whole rest of the audience was silent and I was sitting there like laughing my ass off. Uh, um, that was, yeah, that was quite funny. But yeah, it, it kind of has a bit, of, bit in common with that. Um, it also made me think of the work of the Australian writer and comedian John Safran, who is a Jewish man who does a lot of, um, like he's done a lot of journalism and writing about outright and white supremacists in Australia. Mm. And he's really interesting. And it just kind of made me think of some of that stuff he does and how dangerous it really is. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, yeah, it was good. The movie, you know, Seth Rogen has to jump out a window to get away from them in the movie. Oh, so. Yeah. And he, he does like up front two really stunts that would probably kill him in yeah. real life. Um, jump out a window, landing on a car and then banging back onto the pavement. They both look like they're a really hard hit like really kudos to the stunt team because there's another one later on when he um, goes to the fancy party with boys to men and Charlize Theron and he does this incredible stair fall and slide uh, which yeah like they're really like the the stunts gave the audience a shock Mm. like they were so much the hits were so much harder than you were expecting them to be Um, he survives of course because this is a lighthearted comedy but um, yeah they were quite good too Mm. Yeah, the boys to men stuff made me laugh a lot. Also, the one of the guys in Boys to Men, Sean, was one of the judges on the sing off, which was the oh, right. So I was like trying to remember his name for half of it. Which uh I did not know the names of Boys to Men. No, I only know his because he was the judge yeah. on the sing off, but yeah. But yeah, they were at playing themselves, the, they were fantastic. They were and the, it was um, the also, one in the middle filming the fall down the stairs, <laughs> that was spot on that was really good that um that kind of joke that um it seems to be really common in these i don't know what this comedy group is called um, yeah but you yeah these guys who are in all each other's movies yeah and on each other's podcasts yeah. um because um in this is the end they have nsync no uh backstreet boys at the end of that as well um, so they really like to kind of have these throwback bands in their movies mm-hmm. but i loved how excited charlie's theron was about boys to men it was really cute yes that was I love, amazing. I could honestly talk about Charlize Theron in this movie for like an hour. Mm. She she does so many things with this character and they talk about how she can't be this way and she can't be that way and all this sort of stuff and she has to be perfect all the time. Mm. And yet the character kind of is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like she gets really excited or really upset over movies and TV shows and things and she really believes in things and, um, you know, she's had to compromise a lot. But like the not just – 
you know, as a person, she is perfect, but the way they built the character is so mm, perfect. Mm. And it's so, she is just so luminous in this movie. And when like the first scene happens where she and Seth Rogen are going to kiss, I was like, I understand Seth Rogen. I'm in love with her too. Well, yeah, the, 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 some of the best work he does is looking like a guy who cannot believe how lucky he got. Mm. He's just like, oh my goodness. Well, I actually think, I mean, my favorite work that he does is when he's saying no to her, mm. which happens twice. And some really interesting scenes. I thought those were really, really mm. well done. Because um, he has to play kind of goofy a lot. And this, he has to play a certain thing a lot. But in those scenes, he's actually playing something slightly different. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. The scene where she interviews him and she just assumes he's going to work for her. Yeah. And, um, and when they break up yeah. in the big pre-third act bit of course they always it's a rom-com it still it's, follows the traditions yeah but it's nice like it and the the way it runs though the the way the big third act complication happens is so very very believable it is um like and it also doesn't happen with a lot of that like you know usually rom-coms rely on somebody lying to somebody else yeah, or you yeah. know those kinds of things this just has real life complications that come into their relationship yeah and, and utterly foreseeable ones and like uh, that would be likely to happen to these two people yeah um yeah it, it, it was i really appreciated that i think that's why i liked it as well because i was almost waiting for the other shoe to drop i was mm. waiting for the big stupid rom-com thing but this movie is smarter than that it is yeah and there's there's no airport scene um no. <laughs> which made me really happy but uh the only the only trope that I picked up in this movie that I wasn't keen on was the TV that's up really loud in a bar so that everybody is listening to a speech by the, like this secretary of state who's, who's announcing a run for president, which like, yeah, I know it's a bar in DC, but still. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that trope is not uh, limited to rom-coms. No, it isn't. It's the only one that I picked up. There's probably others, but it's the only one that I picked up as being kind of a glaring, like tropey thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Most of the other ones, they neatly sidestep. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 my notes were all in kind of chronological order, so I was going to go through yeah, the movie that we, way, we can, but we kind of already jumped around. Well, yeah, I did, but that was um because I, I was thinking too. of it. But if you want to start doing some quotes, we can. But I, I, yeah, I was, I think I was as much as I laughed my butt off in this and thought this was so funny. I also thought the themes were so great, so mm. I kind of, I, my brain sort of jumped around a bit. They but, are, they are. Mm. The themes are really, really interesting, and it's one of the movie, things that makes the movie so great because it's not just funny; it's also about something. Yeah. So it's going to like linger with you instead of just being a you know mm. forgettable rom com. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, did, so you um, wrote down some quotes. So. I did. Um, Make it so. But um, a lot of my first notes are actually about like how good President Bob Odenkirk is. Um, and oh, he's, yeah. He's like playing off Trump, but uh, he isn't Trump. Mm. Um, the movie very carefully kind of avoids real life politics at the moment and yet mm. still is very much of the moment and about politics. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. And the, the you know, actor who becomes president. Um, yeah. Thing. wants to go into movies yeah well yeah but i mean like there was an actor who became president like yeah. in the 80s but the also the actor who became president after playing one on tv as well that just is so perfect because that also feeds into like all the tropes of people who are like i, I wish jed bartlett was here to run the country mm. like that that kind of silliness as well or me going i support president charlie theron yeah. not long after that i'm like yeah totally she can be president um <laughs> i don't know if she can can you be president if you're not born in the States, though? Um, so the interpretation of native-born citizen, because you do have to be a native-born American, actually extends to people who were born to American parents 
outside of the States. So she probably doesn't qualify because she she was not born to American parents. But there's a couple, I think John McCain maybe and Ted Cruz who were born outside of America um, but to American parents. So that's how that bit of the Constitution gets interpreted. Yeah. um, So the first quote that I wrote down apart from just getting – a lot of my early notes are just writing down actors' names as they pop up and getting really excited, mm-hmm. like Paul Shear and Lisa Kudrow and June and Randall Park, which literally just me. Nom- yeah, well, I was, and Randall Park has a really tiny uh, partner that is yeah. – he's great, always. Always like to see him. I I thought Lisa Kudrow was really good too. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot about her. She's like a one-scene role as well. Yeah. She's amazing. But uh, the first quote that I wrote down is when um, Seth Rogen is is arguing with Randall Park as his boss. And he says, we're going to turn into a propaganda machine and not the good kind that's right, the bad kind that's wrong. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a lot of critiquing of mainstream media at the moment it's, and that sort of yeah, stuff. It's, good, really good, it's doing what really good comedy does, which mm. is calling out the silliness while also making a serious point. Yeah. Um, but then Randall Park has a line, you're making bad decisions and it's bumming me out, which I can see myself using in the future. Cause it just... With the children that you teach. <laughs> um, yeah, that too. Um, yeah, a lot of the time. But yeah, that made me laugh a lot too. He only has one scene, but it's quite a memorable one. Yeah. And then my next, my next notes are about them. Why do these movies keep casting a bunch of, like they cast, it, it, it reminded me of Tag, right? Tag has... Uh-huh three white men who are all around the same age and then Hannibal Buress, who's like 10 years younger than them and it's like we all went to school together and this movie wants me to believe that Seth Rogen and O'Shea Jackson Jr. went to college together they did not go to college together they have like 10 years age difference Mm. and like the thing is if you uh, they're totally different kind of generations of actors too Mm. like O'Shea Jackson Jr. his first big role was straight out of Compton it's it's a whole generation after Seth Rogen's, you know, mm. Seth Rogen came onto the scene. So it it just didn't doesn't click for me and it always really annoys me. And I'm like, they can be best friends who have an age difference. They just had to have met, met somewhere else. Yeah, somewhere other than college. Yeah, which again, and this is another one where because of my lack of knowledge about black actors means that I didn't know that. I just, I just sort of bought him as the same age. But yeah, there's no, yeah, there's absolutely no reason, especially in a movie like this where it's like he and Charlize were supposed to have, you know, be three years apart in age and have gone to, and she was his babysitter. Like, that's fine. Mm. I could buy that. Um, they want to have that as part of the story. But like, he, but his best friend can be literally anybody. It doesn't have mm. to be someone he went to college with, someone he worked with, someone whatever. And O'Shea Jackson's character, he's clearly playing like a hedge fund manager guy. Mm. He's kind of fun, actually. I like what they, where they go with him. I do too. He was interesting. Um, and then the the next thing I commented on uh, was Alexander Skarsgård's big entrance. Oh boy, Alexander Skarsgård is having a whole lot of fun in this movie. I don't know if we're having as much fun with the role as he is. Nope, we are not. Um, I don't feel like that was good casting. I do not think he's playing the Canadian Prime Minister in a terrible wig, and he's like doing. Alexander Skarsgård's going through a bit of a weird phase at the moment because there's also another movie I've seen him like he shaved his head so he could play a balding guy in another movie. He's yeah, going yeah, that, through um, a real what is it? It's with him and oh, it's like a money thing about them wanting to build a a, a internet cable. Far out. What's it called? It's him and somebody else. Young. Oh, Jesse Eisenberg. Him and Jesse Eisenberg are like competitors to do this or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah. I um yeah, I can't right now find Sorry. it on his um thing. But yeah. Anyway, he did that for another movie as well. And I I understand that when you're like extremely handsome and tall that sometimes you might want to do funny things but also i'm not sure uh, this is what i would have expected like it's it's, it's, it's just a weird like I did, there's some weird choices going on there and uh, he's kind of like too much like he's you know his wacky smile and his weird laugh and all that stuff it's it's almost too much like and i i love the idea of making fun of justin trudeau and like handsome Canadian prime ministers and stuff. That is funny, right? Mm. But it's just a little bit weird. It's like he like he watched his brother play a clown and was like, ooh, makeup is fun. Wigs are fun. I don't know. I think it's that he's doing like that is a matinee idol kind of role, but I don't think he is one. No, no. He's not because you say he's like tall and good looking. He's an offbeat good looking. He's an intense good looking. It's not a uh, um he's like yeah like it's not an accident that he won acting awards for his his um big little eyes like Mm. it's not an accident that he won it for that where he's like his sort of handsomeness is deployed as villainy it's not just that he yeah it it is he's like slightly so he was the um the vampire on true blood as well like Mm. he he, but it's it's he's got that offbeat handsomeness that doesn't quite work you can't send it up if it's not like a a kind of generic white no, bread this is matinee a, this idol is thing, and I was kept James thinking of Marsden. Role. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah. I was like, this is a James. This would be perfect for James Marsden because he's great yeah. at sending up his own matinee idol looks. Yeah, and he's great at making that really funny. Mm. He would do great at that funny laugh thing as well. Like that's, that's exactly who I yeah, thought yeah. of. Yeah. But the, I, I'm sure there are other actors as well. Like somebody like Chris Hemsworth could do this, except the accent part. Um, but, you know, somebody who is a – Actually Canadian even. You could find someone. Yeah. But somebody who is an – Ryan Reynolds. Um, oh, he'd be great. Yes. But is that, that's the thing. They've got to be like traditionally good looking. Like, good looking. And I don't think Alexander Skarsgård is not good looking, but he's not that kind of very traditional – No. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's – yeah, the reason he broke out is – as a model in Zoolander and that that's how he looks he looks a bit more well, he looks European and tall and skinny and mm. yeah but anyway he, and also his accent is no his accent is already not American enough so yeah and to then, then he does make this him Canadian weird is, Cana- French Canadian thing and it's awful yeah yeah he's he was a bit of a duff note like every time he appeared on screen I kept going Ugh. yeah I would cringe yeah he made me cringe yeah which i mean i also did when andy circus appeared on screen which i didn't know was andy circus but he was playing a rupert murdoch style character Mm. and he and i was like gee that's one of the best rupert murdoch impersonations i've heard the whole australian american thing and then i was like oh (laughs) that's why you can do the accent yeah um but yeah, like I, I would say, ugh, when he appeared, but also he was kind of a really fun villain. Yeah, you 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 weren't supposed to like him. No, and and also Andy Circus is meant to perform under layers of makeup. That's what he does. <laughs> I know, and the makeup in this was very good because it wasn't like it, it, when he first appears, you don't immediately go, oh, that's a guy in a lot of makeup playing no, I that role. I spent the whole movie trying to work out who it was. I was like, is this Russell Crowe? Like, who is this? <laughs> Too short. Um, yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I was like, it's some middle-aged person from this part of the world. Yeah. I was Although actually, Andy Serkis is British, isn't he? He's not actually a New Zealander. I'm just, I just yes. think of him as a New Zealander because he's of Lord British. of the Rings. Yeah, so he's actually British. But he's but, good at accent work. Yeah. Um, he's good at accent work and he's good at acting when you can't see his face. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say he's better at acting when you can't see his face because of his tendency to overact. 
But I mean, you, you can see he's overacting even when you can't see his face. Like in I still like Tintin him in Black Panther. I like him too. He's just an overactor. Yeah, I really is. like him. I'm happy to see him, but he's an overactor, and that's fine. Yeah, well, that's why he's good in roles like this. Yeah, um, this was a perfect part for him. But he, um, yeah, it was such good. Like all of the makeup in this was good. Let's face it. But um, yeah, oh, his, yeah, his makeup is especially good. There's also some Canadian jokes in this that maybe made me think that maybe Seth Rogen had a hand in them. Uh-huh. Um, the snow check joke <laughs> instead of a rain check. Yep, which would have been great if it came from somebody funny. Yeah, um, yeah, it. it didn't quite hit right unlike the O'Shea Jackson Jr. line about what do you mean you kind of know her that's like kind of knowing a mermaid (laughs) which was really good (laughs) yeah I can't get over how pretty Charlize Theron was in this movie either she looks so unbelievably gorgeous oh my god and the yeah and the outfits like she's they dress her like they dress some Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Veep like these beautiful impeccably fitted designer corporate wear Mm. that like no not even in the real world does the real secretary of state dress like that like she's so perfect looking of course well this is an idealized um romantic comedy world so oh can we can we talk about the flashback Uh one for one thing there's a joke in there that nobody else in the cinema got that i thought was hilarious but also the kid does the seth rogan laugh Yes. Oh, I wanted to talk about that because the girl does a really good Charlize Theron as well. They There's, are so good. So those the, kids. the actors playing sixteen-year-old Charlize and twelve-year-old Seth. She's that girl. Does she lowers the register of her voice? Mm. She has a particular way of laughing. Yeah. And the kid does the Seth Rogen oh, laugh. Yeah. I was so impressed because that is a really tough thing to do. And that kid's like thirteen. I know. I they were great. Yeah. Such good casting on those two kids. My God. But also the conversation they have, how do you get idiots to care about things they don't care about? Yes. And like two kids who really care about stuff and don't understand why other people don't. And then then girls just like, they have to because it's the right thing to do. It's such a good conversation. I love that scene. And I I love how it continues on. Like there's a point at which she's like, I hate this job. I just want to be like mm. normal people who don't care about anything. It must be nice. It must be relaxing. And like, oh. It's beautiful. I wanted to sh- kind of shake her and go, uh, we care about stuff too. But, um, oh, well, no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I the, yeah the people do care about stuff. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I thought that was, that scene was like, most of the time flashback scenes in these kinds of movies are the whatever. That was amazing. They mm. put so much care into it as well, you know, like, and they kind of still dress like they do when they're older, but they, they put so much care into getting the right kids yeah, and doing a good job and writing a good scene. Mm-hmm as like proper kind of uh, as a real scene instead of just an exposition thing. Mm. And then also (laughs) Seth Rogen as an adult is like, oh, and then her boyfriend came back out of the other room where he was watching Blossom and the boyfriend comes back in and sees Seth Rogen's got a boner and he goes, whoa, which is the line that um, Joey Lawrence always used to say on Blossom. So like for me, it was hilarious and none of the other people in the cinema got the joke. Uh, Yeah. And I never watched Blossom. Obviously I know who Mayim Bialik is and I know who Joey Lawrence is. I just never watched it. Yeah. yeah, Which is fair enough, but it uh, like, I think also we we saw it with a certain audience and none of them got that. Yeah. I was the only one, the only one. And I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, and those, those little jokes kind of smack a little bit of Seth Rogen. I mean, also like the through line of a, um, of how very few actors make the leap from TV into movies, which clearly Seth Rogen, a former star of Freaks and Geeks is, you know, making a lot of fun. Well, there's heaps of other ones Um, as well. Well, Nowadays. Yeah. And, but also like nowadays it's really normal to move back and forth between, and not, not just that, 
people got big movie stars go and do television now. Mm. Yeah, it was. But then also um, when June says Jennifer Aniston, and yeah, Seth yeah. Rogen's like, Jennifer Aniston's not really a movie star. And June's like, I will kill you, which was yeah. such a great, like, and such a June moment, honestly. It was very funny because I'm like, I am team Seth on this one. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it's really interesting. There seems to me to be a lot of, uh, actor bleed into a lot of these characters yeah seth rogan's playing a very seth rogan like character um june's doing a lot of the stuff that she's kind of famous for and there's even some like actor bleed i think with charlie's theron which is interesting she doesn't yeah. get to play that a lot so that was fun for no me. oh and she gets to do so much she really gets to show off all the stuff she can do like yeah Especially as you, you know, you think, oh, yeah, this is this polished person who, you know, who always does the right thing. But she, all that, the passion um, that underlies who she is and what she does. And then the later scene where they get fucked up on Molly, <laughs> she's got to talk to like the president of some fictional country. That one's really funny too. But also the, um, she isn't like a total badass in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when they nearly die, uh, she actually gets freaked out and oh, yeah. scared and stuff, which I thought was really good. And she just like knows where, how to handle it. But I thought that was really neat. I also loved that she like proper fireman carries a like what is clearly a real person. Uh-huh. Like Charlize was like, oh, no, I can totally carry this guy over my shoulders. And they were like, OK. Yeah. God. Like, oh. You can see that that was. Yeah, uh, uh, that yeah. was not a prop. That no. was the guy. And and Seth Rogen is struggling to carry a smaller woman. Yes, yeah, in any kind of a lift. Yeah, great. I know. I love that stuff. The the whole thing where she never gets enough sleep either, like um, where she like falls asleep mm. sitting up and overflows the bathtub and or just stands there sleeping. That's so funny because it, that strikes really true to me and what it's like to be in those kinds of jobs. Yeah, I also liked um after the the party scene after he falls over and, and they're all watching it in the – and Charlie's and the team are watching it in the limo, which was really funny. He and, and O'Shea Jackson are in the um, supermarket afterwards, um, clearly have stayed up all night and, like, getting snacks. And he's, he gets called and it's an unknown number and he's like, what is the man trying to get to me? And O'Shea Jackson Jr. is like, no, it's the universe trying to talk to you, doing his, like <laughs> – inspirational speech yeah, stuff yeah. You can which pull is yourself really, up things yeah yeah his, i thought that he delivered those in a really good funny way uh-huh yeah um, every time he did that it made me laugh yes and it, it suited the whole character of him as like this you know rich hedge fund guy yeah he also reminded me of like the startup guys though yeah yeah oh he could it could be a startup to me it looked like hedge fund but i watch a lot of billions yeah um but he could be a start. He could be a startup guy, or they're in um, DC. So yeah, and the, but it's also the way that he like treats his staff and everything mm. made me think like he he made a startup, and so he yeah, can just do whatever yeah. he wants with that, it. That could be the truth. In either case, all of the way his character behaves up to the revelation of being a Republican is all very it all tracks really yeah. well. Um, he also says a couple minutes later, luck is for losers, you've got destiny on your side. I know. <laughs> All those lines, they're just really, really well written. Mm. Yeah, and then we have the Jennifer Aniston bit. I have a line in here that, here, that, here that says, Charlize's glasses are filthy. Oh, yes. I noticed that. She's got gla- the glasses in her hand and one lens is just smeared with fingerprints. Yeah. And you can, it's so bad you can see it when the light shines through. No, I noticed that. I loved that um, – the movie does a really clever thing where she's got her big, like, um, climate proposal, right? And it, it explains to us all of what the p- climate proposal is and then knows that we're never going to remember it. And then she, um, June says, um, we call it bees, trees, and seas. Mm-hmm. And not only is that something that absolutely would happen, 
but also like it means that we remember. Yeah, and so when plot points happen, oh, we've got to drop C's and then later on, I need to drop trees as well, it makes sense to us. Like a third of her proposal is going. Yeah, exactly. So we can track that really easily just with them doing this little throwaway line earlier. Also an excellent lesson in political communication as well. Like if you're actually the person who's trying to get these kind of policies up and running, it's a useful way to, you know, people remember three word slogan unfortunately but it's not just it, it, it's it's a it's a clear thing it you say unfortunately but also like that can be a gateway into a good policy as yeah. well no like, that's right it, it's not just it's, i mean it's, i say unfortunately because the, it's weaponized at the moment it is by conservatives but yes it, it's a really smart bit of political communication as well as being like good for the audience and yeah. helpful to communicate just to the audience of the movie but also just remembering isn't inherently positive or negative mm. it's like whether or not we understand what it is and all that sort of yeah. stuff right like that just being able to remember oh that's that that's the bees trees and seas thing mm. is neither positive or negative unless you can actually do no, something with that yeah. i'm just going through because like yeah, no, that's fine. i've got other things about um this the soundtrack for this was fun but also very clearly like made by people who are around the same generation as us yeah well seth rogan and charlie's throne who were yeah and uh Jonathan seth rogan, Levine, obviously seth rogan we found out is born the day after me yeah so we're, we're exactly the same age but yeah like these guys it absolutely like it must be in love they use it from the pretty woman soundtrack yeah. they play but there's also like a frank ocean cover of moon river which is i thought was really good uh, boys to men obviously boys to, but it, it's it's an interesting like like this little micro generational things like Pretty Woman and um, Boys to Men are like things that we our generation knew about, but we were probably kind of a little young for. Yeah, but like Charlize's generation, they were like the right age for. Yeah, I can't remember what song was playing when I wrote that down, but it was something that was also very specific to that time. It's right after the plane. Yeah, where oh the, oh, the little montage, uh, um, whatever song was playing over that montage where they were getting to know each other in different countries around the world. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know that that was a that was a really good montage actually. Like you were from the Secretary of State, you go to all these different countries. Of course, on my brain, I'm like, God, traveling that much would be so awful. But you know, um, before we finally settle down in Sweden, and and yeah. he gets the suit, yeah. and um, and June says to him, "Calm the Smurf down," mm. which made me again was a line that like people didn't catch. I think especially June Diane Rayfield has a lot of lines that are very funny that people mm. didn't either didn't pick up were funny because she is the very stern woman delivering them yeah or didn't hear yeah i think it's a little bit of both because the way she she plays it very sternly like the first she's very dry third of the movie her lips are pursed like she yeah and she is very very dry and that goes by so fast and like he's wearing the the traditional swedish male costume and shelly's does one of the best spit takes in cinema yeah. when she sees him in it. Like it, it's really good. Um, there, One of the songs that plays is um, One Way or Another plays over, I think, some yeah, montage. That, that's not that but one. But that's, it's not that no. one. No. I just spotted that one because I was like, ooh, Veronica Mars. Um, yeah. Um, I'm doing it now. 
I also liked when he mixed up his sport metaphors. Oh, yeah. I like that they're not sort of playing. I think the movie really kind of goes against Who's the toxic masculinity. Who's hitting down whoever's end zone? I'm like, that is. And I took me a minute because I don't know sports either. And so I was like, that sounds completely, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two different well, sports. Well, he he's kicking goals and then they go into the nets and you get a home run into somebody else's end yes, zone or something perfect. like that. It was very funny. So perfect. And then he's crying over the, um, the Aurora Borealis like a minute later. Yeah, which well, I loved. Yeah, and and that's he, the way he challenges. Yeah, toxic masculinity stuff. Like, firstly, by really wanting to date this really powerful woman and mm. to support her, and the the little tag at the end where he changes his name when they get married. Oh my yeah. god! Oh my I like god! That too. And being the first Mister was funny too. The uh, freaking adorable. Yeah, that's the. I wrote "Let the Man Cry." Yeah, because she kind of like, "Are you crying right now?" And I was like, "Let him. It's fine. It's beautiful." It's yeah, how often do you see the Northern Lights? And then they had a, there was another joke that we got that a lot of the audience didn't get that was really funny um, because she makes a nine hundred two one zero joke in her speech. Yep, yep. And then one of the news anchors picks up on that and goes, "And all along she was Andrea Zuckerman in the body of Kelly Kelly Taylor." Taylor. <laughs> that was just. Such a spot on joke. It was such a good joke, but also like it was another one where like we were laughing and the audience was silent. Yeah, I, I didn't. He, yeah, so I think some audience were. It, we were sitting next to people who were like baby boomer generation, mm. so they the nine hundred two one zero and boys to men jokes go sh- completely yeah. over their heads. But yeah, those ones. But also, I feel like yeah, there's others the June jokes and things like that that go over their heads. Yeah. But I mean, that said, I also incredibly related to her not knowing like any music from the last 10 years because I don't either. I just, yeah. I mean, obviously I know movies. Although I was thinking about how like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has run thus far and, you know, the kind of the the big phase of it has run from just after I quit my job as a political staffer or left my job as a political staffer to just before I had my first kid. Mm. So like, it's just perfect for me that I've seen, <laughs> seen them all. So who knows where things will go after that. But um, like, I totally relate to not knowing any music from like the last 10 years. I really don't, unless it's a big culturally penetrative, like Beyonce level, probably not going to know it either. So I very much related. Yeah. I know a little more, but largely because I work with young teenagers. People. Yeah. But also, um, <laughs> there's also a line that, that Seth Rogen says fear and loathing when Las Vegas was his favorite book as a kid. Oh my God. <laughs> Where she's Correct like, that explains so much. Up. I laughed so hard um, at that and I'm not sure anyone else laughed at that. But then the movie, the Marvel movie they show them watching is my favorite Marvel movie. I, she watches Winter Soldier. I knew we were going to get into that. And it's, <laughs> I, I was like, before I even saw I was like, that's Chris Evans' voice. Like, because, you know, I'm me. But yeah, I know. That was so great. And her reaction where she's just like, oh, no. <laughs> so Did they great. kill the pirate? <laughs> By which she means Nick Fury. <laughs> It's so, so good. It's so funny. And it's so, like, she's so genuine, too. I love her so much. And then, like, a scene later, um, they're in the Philippines and, and Seth Rogen goes outside and he's like, it's beautiful here. You can hardly even tell a civil war is beginning. And I'm like, oh, they're, they've moved Marvel movies. Like, I was like, they're going to watch the next one now. Um, anyway. No, instead they have a Batman joke. No, where... ten, instead the Civil War actually comes to them. But he does True. also make an excellent Batman joke. He I... does because she's like um, the, the fact that um, she's more powerful than men is a total dick shriveler. And he goes, dick Shriv- shriveler is my favorite Batman villain. Just <laughs> great. Yeah, that's where my next li- notes are. Of course, Charlize can fire him and carry a man. And I, too, am in love with Charlize Theron. So, and then there's the sex scene they have right after that, which is like the least sexy sex scene ever, but filled with communication. It's so great. They struggle to take their pants off, which to me is a like a, a joke in the vein of um, the sock gap joke yeah. from Coupling. But that sex scene, 
though, um, I also noticed that the only person who appears shirtless, like of the two of them, is Seth Rogen. Mm. Like that sex scene is like you see them wriggling out of their pants, but they're still wearing their tops. And and there is no, there's a couple of scenes where they're about to have sex or they have sex. And yeah, he, I think he has his shirt off at one point. He's putting his shirt mm. on. She never does, which is again, um, a real sort of turnaround for how that would normally be shot. Yeah. And clearly a choice as well, because Charlie's Theron has been naked in movies yeah, before. Like, so. exa- no, a deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then they also talk about his Adolf Stickler tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they, they have the dance that, I mean, the, the party that they go to, mm. um, which is like. There's a lot of things I like about that party. One is to watch Seth Rogen go through a full cycle of like jealousy and all that sort of stuff to realization that it's not about him to like going back to, you know, um, covert flirt- flirting. Um, but also when she comes in and he, and I, I mean, there's a shot of her and I was like, wow. Um, and then he goes, you look really pretty. And she goes, you look really pretty too. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me happy. And he did though, because he'd actually had, had really nice tucks on and stuff. Like he properly fitted suit. He did look lovely. He, he did. made the effort. And that was why, that was where I was like, it made me think about what, real Seth Rogen was yeah. doing in on the red carpet tour. I wrote that it was really cute when they had their little dance scene at that too. Yeah. Because it it's played to really contrast the dancing with Alexander Skarsgård just earlier, yep. which is all smooth and perfect, but she is choreographed for show. She yeah. doesn't want to be there. But she is like putting on that facade yeah. and then they do the secret dance and it's awkward and it's silly and and they, but it's they got, dance around like the teenagers they were when it yeah. came out. Yeah. Um but it's real. And then they go to have sex and she, <laughs> again, lots of good communication between those two when they have sex. Yeah. She tells him exactly what she wants. Um, and, then she, and then she's like, oh, sorry, am I being too bossy? And he's like, no, no, my brain just went into shock there. Yeah. She's like, just take me really hard from behind and slap my ass and choke me a little bit. And you're like, okay. <laughs> oh, and then there's the June and the, the other stuff a bit. Which yeah, is like yeah, a yeah. throwaway gag that's kind of funny. And then they go on the molly. <laughs> I want to smoke a molly with you. The line, yeah. Uh, this was again. I related to Shelley's because I'm like, I only learned what Molly was like five years ago. So I totally, I totally get not knowing that. Um, but also while they're high, um, he's like, I know that I've been playing it really cool, and she's like, You haven't been playing it cool at all. Yeah, which I loved. And she does that whole bit. She does so well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, again, that whole bit though. He's ne- hasn't been playing cool for any of it no. it's that's why it's there's no there's never a secret that they're sleeping together yeah. because it there is no way he can hide that yeah also i don't know what they did to her but when she looks at him and she's like how long until this wears off her pupils oh, are yeah. huge i know she looks like my cat when he's about to nick fury your eyeball but it looks yeah. completely real yeah, yeah yeah no big time um and that's why she has the the sunglasses on yeah, too yeah. obviously yeah. um but um there's when she walks into the situation room that she goes into there's one staffer that like puts his hands up to his eyes like to indicate to her that she should take the yeah. sunglasses off that I thought was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, well, I mean, her staffers are clearly sleeping on the job there because she appears on television with glitter in her hair. I know, right? Oh, my God. As if June Diane Rayfield's character would ever let her that. do that. <sighs> yeah. But, um, that, yeah, that's all for the the. It's jokes. for the gag. Yeah. Uh, I think the guy that she talks to as well is not the leader of that country but is like a – Oh, he's some kind of warlord who's holding an American hostage. Yeah, but yeah. I thought he was in, more like in her job rather than oh, the yeah, leader. like the Secretary of State. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably um, or something closer to that. Yes. No. Um, oh, yeah. No, I didn't. I, I just because I couldn't remember who he was. I, I'm not like. Yeah, but I don't remember. It either. was just a really funny. Um, 
it, it, it's a scene that played out really, really well. It did. It was really funny. And but also, I love the way that they really humanize him in that moment. Yeah. And there's a thing where she says, um, taking hostages sucks. I know I've had to do it. Mm. Which really shows you kind of her job in the past, but also like it levels the playing field and doesn't make like the brown people the bad guys again. No, um, no. Which was really clever. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's on TV and she's like, I feel like I'm really crushing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get, uh, the lessons in political communication here about like people are desperate for authenticity, right? And they are, but then when they get it, they don't like it. Well, but the thing is like good people haven't tried it. Like most of the authenticity we get comes from the bad guys and they've been quite successful. Yeah, but a lot, especially from women, when they mm. when people get authenticity, they're like, oh, it's too – She's like like she says in this movie, they're too, she's too yeah. angry or she's a slut or she's a bitch or yeah. whatever. And it works out very, very neatly in this. And like yeah, yeah, you course. know in real life she definitely has more than one Secret Service guy because she's probably getting horrible threats. Yeah. Um, she but, had two in this, but yeah. But that said – yeah, I, I, I kind of liked that yeah. about, you know, being honest, being transparent and like this, the storyline about where to cross the line between compromising to get ahead and compromising your principles, all, that's mm. all really fascinating. It is really fascinating. So right after her, her increase in popularity after handling that negotiation successfully, they have the uh, terrible TV show where the guy's talking about whether women are emotionally unfit to be president. And uh. he's like, we have a conversation with Chris Brown, Jeremy Piven and Brett Ratner. <laughs> Again. Which seems rather accurate. Yeah. The one right after that is June going through all the the dating scenarios that she's got. Yeah. And the last one is Jennifer Lawrence and this potato in a windbreak. In a teal windbreak. <laughs> it was like, it was, that made me laugh a lot as well. That was funny. And then we get, yeah, so then we get the, you know, end of second act twist with uh, her going to the president and him bringing in Andy Circus. Yeah, um, the video. Yeah. But the thing that really got me then was when he said, you're usually so agreeable. Yes, wasn't it great? It was so, so great. It's one of the best, um, like least heavy-handed examples of seeing Me Too in action. Mm. This movie, like you've got the the slightly gross Canadian president who gets more and more gross as over the time. Like you get you get like this icky feeling about him, then you see how gross he is and how that plays out, and then you've got um, obviously the really overtly icky um, Andy Circus character, and then you've got like the way the president talks down to her yeah like it really it really actually flows really really well without yeah. ever without you could without ever breaking stride yeah it has really different sort of ways that in which women are uh, yeah. held back and it also has a surprisingly posh wank in it <laughs> the, the fact that he pours himself red wine in that just made me laugh he lays out the tissues yeah uh but yeah then um we get into that stuff but I can see Seth Rogen totally like he's like they're like okay so you're gonna have to film a video of yourself masturbating he's like excellent I have some ideas <laughs> yeah I can totally see that but the conversation they have when they're breaking up is such a good conversation yeah um, and he says once we presented us to the world we present a version of me that isn't actually me yeah which I thought was great yeah then we get the <laughs> reveal of O'Shea Jackson Jr. as a Republican where like I know what the movie's doing. And I get what the movie's doing, but also it seems like that kind of both sidesism where they're like have to have that as a mollifying people 
thing. Especially since we never actually find out what party Charlize they're on runs no, we, for. No, we don't. And or what Bob party Bob Odenkirk No, Bob to. Odenkirk does not seem to be a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. So it is weird because you would think he might have had that confrontation with someone else like in his job. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was interesting the way that was handled. And then he, he sits down and he's like, I'm racist and you're a Republican. Yeah, I don't um, know what's going on. I don't know what's I going on. That line. Which I, I really liked because, like, I always go back to um, Avenue Q on this. We're all racist, dude. Yeah. Like I think that, and that's something people don't necessarily realize. So I liked it in that aspect, but also, yeah, it was a, it was a bit awkward the way that played out. Yeah. Well, it raises some interesting issues. Yeah, and and I mean, and the obvious answer would be, of course, he's a Republican. He's rich, but he doesn't actually say that. No, but that, I mean, it's implied. Yeah. Um, and it's because it, because he says it's worked out well for me so far. Yeah. Um, and it's worked out well for him so far because, because he's, he's rich. rich. It's interesting. It's also interesting that they had the only black character in this movie be a Republican. Um, yeah. Not a lot going on with that. Yeah, it was interesting. And the point it's trying to make as well about being open to, you know, other people's point of view. Yeah. But, yeah. I really love the following that, the callback to Roxette on the soundtrack. Yeah. There's some there's really good work with soundtracks in this movie, and the mm-hmm. fact that they like do that as a callback when the last time it was a really happy thing, but it is actually a a breakup song. And yep, right. <laughs> and there's a line I don't when she's giving the speech. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is like, "You should date Taylor Swift," and Seth Rogen goes, "I don't know what me and Taylor Swift have in common." And O'Shea says, "You're white." Yeah, <laughs> no, he's like, "You're you're white," and he's got something about like. Uh, you have no worries. Or yeah, something. you have yeah nothing to worry about or something. Yeah, which was also funny. It was funny. The only other line that I wrote that I thought was funny, well, actually, um, there's a joke that um, Paul Shear makes on his gross TV show about how he would never never let his wife make those important decisions, which is especially funny if you know who his wife is, which makes it the most niche joke in the movie. Yeah, and his wife is playing Shelley's like two stuff. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Which is that is like just a. Yeah, that is such a niche joke, but I found it funny. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder if there's like other niche jokes in this movie that I didn't get. Probably. Uh, but when she introduces Seth Rogen to like the, they make up and she introduces him to everybody, um, and the cum video gets released, which is also pretty funny. Yeah. Um, when she introduces him as her boyfriend, she's like, "My boyfriend." It's yeah. Really cute. Yeah. Um. Again, Charlie's well, Theron she, doing everything. Yeah, she really plays some. Even earlier on in the relationship, she really plays that like that stupidness that comes over you when you first fall for someone. Yeah, really well. It's so cute. Yes, it's, it's so adorable. Cute. And then O'Shea's Wakanda Forever, which was hilarious. Yes, that was amazing. Which is apparently the appropriate response to everything now. <laughs> everything good. That's the appropriate response to. But that's it. That's the end of the movie. Well, that is excellent. We've talked a lot about it, and it's clearly wonderful and it's clearly left made an impression on us because yeah, yeah. i loved it I i'm thought it was so great. delighted with this movie Me yeah too. yeah should we, uh, should we do ratings yes i'm going to give it ah uh, it i'll give it five stars i really like this movie yeah why um, not <laughs> yeah i'm there's no reason not to i i probably will go four and a half but it's so great and I had so much fun and I just enjoyed it so much more than anything else I've seen in quite a while. Yeah. This, this and Shazam are my favorite movies of this year. I love Shazam as well. Yeah. This is great. Cool. cool. 
All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.